This is the Cut the Check Podcast. Welcome to the UAC Podcast. It's Joseph Johnson, as always, hosting uh, with uh, uh, author and my mentor, Dr. Michael Yeses. Uh, Doc, thanks for jumping on with me again. How you doing? Still, everybody's still locked down, so hopefully this is about to lift here soon. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got some podcast time that we can that we can use. So, uh, Doc, this week I wanted to talk about something that you and I have you know talked about probably ad nauseum, but just something that is interesting. Uh, the trend, uh, I want to say trend, but like you're seeing in the field, kind of like what we were talking about, the lack of progress made in the field or the lack of a field in general. Uh, what we do see a lot of now is a, a lot of complicated uh, stuff in terms of, uh, especially in the monitoring area where you're, they're tracking the athletes. Um, you know, th- there seems to be a real lack of simplicity or um you know, some lo- logic, if you will, you know, and how, how, how the body works and then how do you prescribe things? When did you see that change? Because, like, it seems like it's changed in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. When did you start to see that kind of change? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think I saw the beginnings of it at least 20, 30 years ago, uh, which kind of surprised me when you hit me with that question. When did it start? But see, I'm going back to uh, one of my books, Explosive Running. Even at that time, you know, people were telling me, coaches were telling me that, hey, this is too simple. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be something wrong with it. Um, and they were getting impressed with books that I know they didn't understand. And when we talk about the book, I say, well, what did you get out of it? And, uh, you know, think. They had no response, but yet it was a great book. I really learned a lot. Give me an example. There weren't any. So uh, it's like they were, you know, becoming experts. They thought they were becoming experts by reading these books and whatnot, but they weren't. They were falling further behind and they were making it more complex. Instead of simplifying things, because we know. Training an athlete is very simple. But why the heck do we make it so hard? And I think a lot of coaches think it's got to be hard. It's got to be difficult. I don't don't understand it. But that's why it's good. I don't know where this comes from, but that's what I think is happening. You know, I I made this observation to Dr. Mann, I don't know, maybe a year ago. We were talking about this. And after I was watching some... uh, I think some lectures and, and watching some discussions online. And I, I told uh, Brian, I said, you know, it seems to me like your field is mainly just working to impress each other at, 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 at places where they go speak and things like this. Like, this is what they live for. This is what the, the goal for them is to present and then to impress their friends or other PhDs, not really to actually concern themselves with the result uh, given by the athlete. So it, it's become my, kind of thought that this no longer in in many ways has anything to do with the athlete it has to do with 
showing everybody how smart you are. Uh, it's, you know, become probably more ego-based than anything, you know. Um, and, 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 you know, all the science is based, you know, to whatever degree. Every scientist, you know, his reputation is what that's the center of what he does. Obviously, there's an ego involved. But I think what happened there was they, you know, the Russians had, you know, the great Russian scientists had enormous egos, too. But the difference was, is that they had to achieve the objective of helping the athlete first. Then the ego came with it. Now it's more of, I just want to impress everybody with what I know and neglect the, the athlete along the way. And, uh, and that's kind of what we, what we're seeing now. So you, you mentioned explosive running, uh, as being an example of, of, of this and also, the one by 20, uh, you know, book and idea is, is, is has been really hard for people to, to, to get a hold of that it could work. And, you know, it's not what they've heard before. And what I've told people is that the approach that that you've taken to this, it, there's an elegant simplicity to it. And especially with the the, the one by 20, you, you know, you looked at all of the, the major objections. Uh, objectives of that particular time frame in the beginning, the general phases, you know, you want to build endurance, you want to build strength, you want to build better technique, you want to build, uh, you know, uh, great uh, blood flow to the area uh, to protect against injuries. Uh, and, and they all got accomplished with one set of 20 and not some complicated uh, formula, I guess, or algorithm. Um, when you, when you're looking at a problem or you're looking at an objective and you are trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do? Well, or how, how are we going to approach this? So what was, what's on your mind? Like when you wrote, uh, you know, the running book or when you looked at one by 20, what, what's on your mind as you're going through the process of developing what you're actually going to do, what the plan's going to be. All right. It goes back to, uh, the concept of what makes a great athlete. See, to me, there are only two factors that are involved. See, that's what makes training so simple. You have to focus on the physical development to develop all of the physical abilities that are needed for, to succeed in executing the skill. And that's the second one, skill execution. If you work on better skill execution, you can have a better athlete. You work on a physical factors directly related to the skill execution. You can have a better athlete. There are no other things. These are the only two things you need. And we we try and bring in these other factors. Oh, we have to do training on this. We got to train this. We got to train that. We got to train. It's like training has to be all these different things. No, it should only be one thing: make an athlete better. You know, when you talk about a great athlete, let's say a quarterback, take a Tom Brady. What is what made him so great? That he could run fast? That he can right. smile pretty? Or that he can throw the ball? And the better he can throw the ball, the better the athlete he was. So there's your skill execution. And you take other, uh, t other quarterbacks today, like from the 49ers, uh, he's a scrambler as well as, as well as being able to throw the ball. So that's another skill he's adding. So, and today this is getting to be more common. The better you can execute the throw, the more you can scramble, 
better the quarterback you are. Now, what's going to make him a better uh, scrambler? Well, you got to work a little bit on his technique of cutting and running, quick uh, acceleration, deceleration. All these factors come in. So, sure, there's the physical. There's the skill. Let's develop the physical in relation to the skill. There's nothing else. It, it, it is uh, interesting, um, you know, when you say that, and, and, and I, this is something that I, you know, repeat to the athletes and, and coaches as well, is, is that what are we trying to get done exactly? You know, what do you want the athlete to be able to I, – I tell them, I, I, you know, the, my job is to take the, the order. So when you, when you bring an athlete to me, you tell me, what, what do you want him to do? Well, he needs to do this better. Okay. Once I know what we're doing, then we apply the means to that. So if you have to nail something into the wall, you need a hammer. If you need to cut the wood in half, you need a saw. Uh, and, and, and if it's a, you know, a project that requires multiple tools, you have to know when to apply the tool at the right time on the right situation uh, in the right dose. But, you know, it, it's like it's it's not. It is complicated in the sense that, uh, like with the one by twenty or one of the uh, some of the other things that you that you put forth, there's a there's a complex a complication factor to it. But you took the complicated and made it simple so the person could use it instead of drowning them with a bunch of uh, you know scientific jargon and things of this nature that they don't understand anyway and have no real reference point for. Uh, you took the important pieces and and said, "This is this, okay. Here's the here's the plan of what you're actually going to do," and it included all the science, but it was just in a very straightforward uh, manner. And I try to do the same thing with uh, you know with athletes is is like, look, here's the exercises you need to do. Here's the sequence you do them in. Report back to me next week and let me know how it's going because it might we might need to change it, but we're going to watch and see your progress. And if you keep progressing, then we're on the right track. Simple. I mean, it's not any more complicated than that. Right. And, uh, you know, we you, we hear all these things of, you know, I mean, they're looking at a, things six ways from Sunday. Uh, and I've, I've said this like in the physical therapy area. And yet, nobody, everybody's getting injured at the same rate. Gotten really complicated, but everybody's still getting injured at the same exact rate. What do you what do you attribute this because it, it feels to me like we're the field is stuck in the mud what do you attribute that to uh i don't know if i really have an answer to that but um, i have to go back to what you were saying i think you were right on and let's take a look at the one by 20. uh a lot of people say oh no that can't work you know that we got to start we got to do this or that or the other well if you're going to teach somebody how to swim, you just throw them into the deep end and say, go, babe. Or do we teach them a few things on how to float, uh, you know, and then you know, some of the progression of strokes and so on. So in science, we know you got to start slowly. You don't just throw them into the deep end. You know, a lot of people talk about this. This is how I learned. I, I, I doubt if you learned that way. Uh, maybe one out of every hundred learn that way right by getting thrown into the deep end so we know from science you got to start off gradually 
you got to start off slowly, gradually increase it. And we know that the fewer the repetitions you do, the greater the, it's going to be the strength. The more repetitions you do, the greater the muscular endurance. So here's a program that does both. You're getting high intensity, you're getting low intensity. So this is why the program totally is moderate. So it's based all on science. It's not guesswork. Gee, I just went to sleep one night and I woke up and here's the program. Now, you have to take a look at what is known, what has been proven, and then applying it. See, and, and we stay away from this. Somehow this seems to be too simple. You know, many people take courses, you know, the kinesiology majors take courses in motor learning, and then they forget everything. Well, motor learning is part of the basis for the one by 20. This is how we learn. But if we, we leave all of that, oh no, that class, that has nothing to do with reality. That's a lot to do with reality if you use your brains and put it to work. But everybody's looking for the magic, uh, the secret. What's the uh, golden grail here? There's no golden grail. It's very simple. And it takes understanding. Like you mentioned, the, uh, the uh, explosive running book. Now, I have many sequence pictures in there that I took from uh, digital video cameras. Camera that shot up to one uh, one thousandth of a second. So very clear. I got all the pictures in order. And I had coaches tell me, ah, oh, you just copy these. You just, you know, pose them. And, and how can you pose pictures like this? It's impossible. Or, you know, they, they just disagree with it rather than looking at it and saying, wow, I never realized that. This is why most coaches that uh, know what they're doing, respond. this is how they respond. So, yeah, it's, it's a combination of things. I, I wish you weren't. I, I think from what I've observed is that um, there hasn't been a concerted effort to grasp what's already been done. Mm -hmm. So they read the books. And I hear this a lot. All the books people read. And I'm like, well, how come you, you still aren't getting any results then? I mean, that was the point of reading the book, right? I mean, if a book doesn't result in some change in what you do, and that change also results in an improvement, you absolutely wasted that time. Mm -hmm. There's no point in reading if you haven't applied in a, in a practical, valuable way uh, for improvement. So I think that, once again, this is another one of these things where they want to impress each other. Oh, I read, you know, 35 books last year. But if you still suck, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, so what? You wasted a lot of time on something you either don't understand, you just read it for the sake of reading it, or you read it for the sake of being able to tell people you read it. I see that a lot. A lot of people like to tell you they read the book. No idea what it's about. And yeah, I find this to be, be very true. If I can interrupt you for a second there. I had a few people tell me this. And the more I thought about it, the more I agree with them. He said, your books are not uh, for reading, they're for studying. See, and I think this plays into it, in what yeah. you're saying here. Absolutely. You don't just read the book. It's not a novel. Right. You know, that you can skip pages. 
and still get caught up to the, uh, to the uh, story. But it's something that you have to study and think about. Hey, how does this apply to what I'm doing? Is this going to work over here? See, your mind's got to be engaged as you read the, as you read the material. And, and, and yeah, reading it multiple times, like going back, I, you know, I've done that before, go back and realize there's something that you didn't even realize was in the book. Hmm? Like, I don't remember even seeing that before. And, right. you know, like something's comp, you know, a process that you're looking at is complicated and you can't figure it out. And you go back and look at the book and, 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 and some of the answers might've been there all along and you just didn't, uh, you know, get it at that time. And I found this to be the case too, that your grasp on what you were told 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the grasping of it doesn't happen at that moment. It might come in stages over a period of time where you right. start to better have a full handle on what that's, that meant. Um, and especially when you're reading from, you know, some of the more complicated books, you know, like super training or something like that. Those, those are not easy books to read and you're not going to grasp it right away. It's going to take years, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, some of the other books that Bandar Chuk has have written. That's, they're not easy books to read. They're meaty and, and, and dense. So I think that that's part of the, the thing. You know, people would just want to be able to say they read it instead of grasping it, because if they grasp it, you would see a better. Uh, relationship than back to their actual work, which we, you know, I, I, as we talked last time, it's not really improving. So what's going on here? You know, we've published a lot of great books in the field uh, and we're, you don't see, you see some changes, but not nearly what you would expect, right? You, you know, not nearly what you would expect. So I want to go way, way back with you on this one. Cause I think this, this would, this is an important thing and may be valuable for other people. When you first started reading the Russian stuff, which has been, you know, over 60 years ago, at the beginning, wasn't simple for you. And you were a PhD student. How long did it take for the light bulb to even go on? Uh, in different aspects, at least about a year. See, like for example, uh, technique analysis or analysis of a, an athlete. Uh, the Russians in their track and field journal. And th these were journals directly related to the coach. They were for the coach to read, not for the average person. So they always had cinematographic pictures, you know, sequen sequential pictures of an athlete running or maybe throwing or jumping, you know, one of the track and field events. So I would look at it. And here I had a biomechanics background thought I understood technique. And I read the article. And they say, now notice in uh, frame number four, he's doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at it. I didn't see it. Then in frame so-and-so, this is happening. I didn't see it. And I thought I did. But see, I, my eye was not trained to see these things. And it literally took me at least a year before the pervert proverbial light bulb went on. And then, oh, that's what the heck they were talking about. Now it became clear. And from there on in, it was smooth sailing. But it takes a while. So you may read something, you may see something, but when does it really kick in? Like you were saying, well, when can you apply it and, and do something with it? 
And this and this happened for you in 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 stages too over the course of your whole career where you encountered right. newer stuff. I know that you said when you went to when you went to the Soviet Union to to visit, they were talking about stuff, and you're like, ah, I don't I don't know what these guys are talking about exactly. That's right. And uh, and and obviously you didn't want to put that out there right at the moment, but it was uh, this is after you had had many years in the field. And yeah. I think this goes back to something that you and I talked about before, talked about many times. Uh, there, there's a real lack of mentorship uh, in this field where you have to be able to re maybe read something you don't understand. It. You, you, you got to have like a, some form of a mentor, somebody who's been a lot further along that understands the material. And say, what did they mean by this? What does that mean? Because, because I mean, you know, we, you and I've done this for 26 years. It's like. Well, that's not relevant to your situation. Here's why. Or, yeah, that's an idea, but it's for further down the road. It's not right now. Uh, you got to remember who he was writing for. Uh, having context of who the author is. You know, Vereshansky writes very differently than a lot of other authors. And you have right. to have context for that. Because if you don't, you're not going to understand it. You have to, you know, you know, you have to get your head around that. And so this is why I, 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 I have a hard time with, people who look at uh, your books and say well you know they're they're too simple that's a godsend because i actually can understand it and apply it in a real you know uh rational logical way like it's not a big problem i know okay but they're still got questions but at least you got a framework where you can kind of you know apply everything properly and i think that this uh currently the field, uh, this rush to, or I don't want to say rush maybe, but this this tendency towards being complicated is more about uh, being revealed as not knowing. So if you talk in real complicated terms, it's hard for other people to not know whether or not you know what you're talking about because they don't either. And, uh, and no one, it's like, uh, look at the birdie, uh, you know, because they, if you look at their work, you see, well, nothing's really changing, nothing's improving, so that's what you should be judged on anyway, right? Uh, but they keep this distraction out here of all the complicated things that they're thinking about or worrying about and off on tangential information. Um, so I think that the critical point here is, is that if you can't explain it to a, a sixth grader, you don't understand it either. So you've mm -hmm. got to be able to explain it to someone who knows nothing about the field and they can pick it up and go use it. So when you talking uh, with you talking, you know, like one by 20, for example, uh, special strength exercises is, is, is another area of your expertise. And it's something that people, I think, overcomplicate. And, and, and I'm going to preface my question with, with this. People will say, well, you know, some movements like, you know, uh, hip, let's say, for example, hip flexion, it's not really, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, in, in running, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, you can't duplicate the forces maybe and all these different things. But here's the funny part is that the squat really actually is less specialized towards running than let's say hip flexion. And, 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 and so we, what we say is, well, you know, you, you got to squat, you know, and, and which I agree you do. You need to squat and all the different things to get faster. No problem there. But the next question is, well, then uh, the hip flexors are involved, right? 
and that's the way that you know the hip flexion that's the way they can track why would you not do them i don't understand what your objection would be i understand maybe you don't understand it completely but i don't understand the objection to it by somebody who's educated that makes no sense at all now i'm going to hand it to you all right <clears throat> just on that point let me give you a good uh, good example the hip flexors are driving the thigh forward and driving the thigh backward as in back. This uses 80% of all the energy used to produce force in running. The other 20% comes from the ankle extension. See, if you take a look at the mechanics of running, sure, the, the leg, the knee is bent and then the leg straightens. But as it straightens, the body's moving forward. So as it's moving forward, it's not applying force. If it did, you'd be jumping. So here you are on the ground, you, you, you know, your center of gravity is lowered. And if you're going to use that leg extension, you'd be jumping up. But you don't want to jump up. You want to keep it horizontal. So there's a classic example. From science, we know what takes all the energy. These three factors. And that's why they're the three most important factors to improve speed in running. That's why, you know, and I think you'll agree with me here. You've been doing the exercise for years. The exercise I created with the active course on a knee drive and a pull back, you get great increases in running speed. Oh, yeah. See, so this is, a, this is for real. It's not like, hey, yo, just get stronger. That doesn't mean anything. Just getting stronger is going to make you slower in running but get stronger in the actions that are used in running. Now you're going to increase speed. And, and you know, as you were talking, I started thinking of one of, the re one of the reasons why there's so much confusion in the field and people don't understand. Uh, we, as the Soviets did, we do not separate <clears throat> the levels of athletic performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like the Russians had different classes, class one, class two, class three, and so on. Well, this showed you how good an athlete the individual was. Here in the United States, all athletes are one athlete. And many of the studies are done with, let's say, a high school athlete. And then they use the results of what they got with a high school athlete with the professional or vice versa. And usually when it's disparate this way, this is where you get injuries or you don't, you know, it's really disastrous to the athlete. To use the training of a, an elite athlete or a professional athlete and use it with a beginner or a low level athlete. So it's about time we sit down. This athlete is on this level. This is the type of training he needs. This athlete's on this level. He needs a different type of training. See, and even with some of the books, like the Explosive Running book, go back to it again. It can apply to a high-level athlete and a low-level athlete. But for low-level athlete, you only take a few key areas that you want to work on. The higher-level athlete, we're looking at more of the finer points. See, so all the information, once you have it all, you have to know what to use for whom and when. See, then you're going to be more successful. 
so I mean, I mean, there's a bunch of different things that we get into on that. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll come to that later. But but the I, I guess the the key point is, you know, don't let something that seems so simple don't let it fool you. It's it, it can be simple and profound at the same time. Right. Uh, and most things in life, as you get older and wiser, you find out most things aren't that complicated. Uh, you just made them complicated. Uh, and and maybe you're not seeing what's staring you right in the face. And so I can say that I know for, for sure, with certainty, that, uh, you know, looking at, you know, special strength movements. And these were, this is funny, too, because they were also promoted by Dr. Vereshansky as well in a lot of his older books, you know, special strength. Was it, this isn't like some new concept. And, and Bandarchuk advocated them. Uh, you know, he had his own set of specialized movements for throwing. Uh, you saw this a lot in, a, in many different areas. So it's not like a new concept at all. Mm. How it hasn't been adopted is beyond me. And it's not like a risk. You know, people talk about it as if there's some risk involved. The only thing that can happen is the athlete can, can get better. There's no downside to it. You know, it's not like some things you might commit to. You say, well, we don't want to do that because that could be, you know, risky for an injury or maybe that could in inhibit their progress. Uh, at the very worst, special strength exercises of that nature could only be benign. That could be the worst case scenario, that they don't add anything. But they certainly aren't going to hurt anything. Uh, and, and more, and, and, and further, uh, they're going to prevent injury, nonetheless. Because if you're training everything else and kind of leaving the hip flexors, for example, you know, to chance, they'll eventually get hurt. I mean, that's just going to, mm -hmm. that's just a fact. And if you, you know, don't use hip extension or the glute ham over time, your hamstrings eventually are going to get hurt if you're running a lot. It's just part of the picture. Uh, but if you are strengthening them, strengthening those, those muscles and those movements, the way that they actually happen in the sport, you know, you're going to cut injury down to almost none. And, and I could say I've never had a hamstring problem in uh, 26 years never with any athletes <laughs> same here so that's pretty i mean i think that's a pretty good number uh you know pretty conclusive if you will so uh, you, i and also the results that we've gotten in terms of athletic performance improvement uh really not comparable to anybody else i, I mean you know i know most everybody in the field and observe you know a lot of them nobody gets better I, i've never seen anybody get a better result you know, uh, than what we're getting uh, over a sustained period of time, not just one, you know, snippet of time, like three months or six months, but I'm talking like five years, six years, you know, years right. into it, still getting a really good result. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's sad, but that's the state of affairs right now. So I think the message for everybody here is, look, go back and reread anything that you've read by people who are competent, you know, highly competent reread it and then read it again and maybe three or four times and ask questions, you know, about that text uh, because there's things there that you are missing. I know, I, I know from my own experience, I read something, totally miss it. Come back to it a year later. Oh, wow. I can't believe I totally forgot that. Or I didn't even see it. And maybe sometimes you didn't see it because you weren't ready. Like you didn't have the, 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 the background. All right. You know, knowledge to, to see what was right in front of you, you know, because I could put, you know, my books in front of my kids and it's worthless to them. <laughs> sure. 
you know, but 10 years from now, then it would make sense. You know, same, same idea. So doc, we're going to uh, wrap this up, but I give me some, give me your parting thoughts on this on How do we, how do we look at if, if somebody's getting started in the field, they just got their degree are getting out into the field. Now, what do they do? How do they start? Um, yeah, that's a tough question. And I have to think in terms of what their education was. See, are many of these certifying agencies really doing a good job? See, I don't know of any, for example, that teach technique analysis, that put up sequence pictures to say, okay, now analyze what this runner is doing incorrectly, or what can we do to improve his performance? I could be wrong, but I don't know of any. So if they're not covering that, what can we expect of the coach? or the, the new coach. Now, they learn a lot about strength training, but typically it's one kind of strength training. Well, you got to do three sets of 10, and you got to do X number of sets. You Let's say three sets. There's no uh, understanding of, look, there are different kinds of strength. They all require different types of uh, workout routines. You got absolute strength. You got absolute concentric strength. Got absolute eccentric strength. You got absolute um, isometric strength. Um, then you have limit strength. Most coaches probably say limit strength. What in the world is this? Well, how strong can you be with the use of drugs or other, you know, enhancement uh, products? So you know, explosive strength, speed strength, strength speed. What are the differences between all of these? So. Part of it is the, their education. They're lacking in the basic knowledge needed to do a good job. So their job is tough. And they, they learn, most of their learning is about strength training. So when they go out in the field, all they know is strength training. They think this is what's going to make a better athlete. But as we we know and we've experienced, it, does not make a, it can make a better athlete, but can also make a worse athlete. See, this is what's not brought out. Strength is good. Yes, it's good, but it's also bad. And that's typically because it changes technique. So, you know, I can go on with this, but uh, for them to do a better job, and this is what I've told some of the uh, coaches that have come to me, forget about what you learned. Start from scratch and just look what you've learned by working with me or, you know, mentoring under me and go from there. And then the same thing with you. You have coaches that uh, call you and ask you questions. Well, now you really want to get better. You got to duplicate what I do. Maybe not duplicate this wrong term, but have to do some of these same things. So you have to learn the total picture, not just what strength training is. So I can kind of go on, but I think, yeah, I mean that 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 nails it, Doc. It's it, it, it it's number one, forget what you learned. So number two, start identifying who to learn from, or how right. you know the, the the great sources of information. And I think we can we both agree that the former Soviet Union is a great place to start. And then with your material, uh, in combination, uh, you're going to get a, a well-rounded uh, spectrum of information. Um, and, and then you have to remember what you're doing. You're training an athlete to get faster. 
Well, how does that happen? If that's what you're trying to do, how does that happen? It's a, and that can be a little bit complicated, but you've got to take it into, into, into um, understand what the main components are that are simple and then start applying the right tool to the right situation. And I realize it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but just getting stronger only works for a while. You know, there's a lot of different things that only work for a while. So you have to, you know, there's a lot of context that goes with it. Well, Doc, thanks a lot. I appreciate your help. Memorial Day weekend. We're going right. to pull this one a little bit short and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend. And I'll be talking to you next week. Okay, very good. Thank you, Joseph. And I hope you enjoyed those all. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it. Right on. It's an elite, world-class athlete from everyone else. Their genes make them quicker, react faster, and more explosive. What if there was a way to, in a sense, turn on those elite athlete genes in the average person? Recent advances in genomic research and sports nutrition have proven this is now possible. Introducing Myosin by Nutromic Sport Nutrition. Multiple studies show it increases quickness, explosiveness, and strength. In most cases, your vertical increases by at least one inch an hour after it's taken. Through a proprietary blend of ingredients, Myosync in effect flips the switch on those genes that make you jump higher, run faster, and lift heavier weights. Here are several Myosync testimonials. This is Daniel Stokes. He's a sprinter. What was your best time before we started training this season with Myosync? Uh, 21.5. And what's your best time as of today? 20.7. Could you um, explain to us um, what the uh, the fast with muscle supplements done for you, Myosync? It made me more explosive. It helped with my reaction time off the ground, bring my knees up quicker, and I continually progress. This is Matt Tomey, head strength and conditioning coach for football and men's basketball at Michigan Tech. If you haven't tried Neutromic Sport Nutrition's supplement Myosync yet, you're definitely missing out. I've had athletes here um, try the supplement and really enjoy the benefits, uh, including an immediate improvement in vertical jump of about one inch. Myosync really stands out with its ability to improve power output, speed, reaction time, even potentially quick decision making. If you haven't checked out this unique supplement yet, uh, go ahead and pick up a bottle of Myosync and, and give it a shot and just see for yourself. Here is lead formulator Rick Green's explanation of Myosync. Myosync evolved out of the neuroproteomic research we conducted starting back in 2005 uh, to uh, nutritionally boost the speed strength traits of well-trained athletes. These speed strength traits could include things like reaction time, starting power, uh, maximal speed, uh, quickness and agility, and also fine motor skills. Double-blind placebo studies, as well as many outcome studies, have been conducted on well-trained athletes from many sports and of many ages. The results of this research have shown a sizable boost in muscle contractions, as well as the synchronization of these muscle contractions during speed strength activities.